Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Today's episode is coming covering all things probiotics. How do I know what one to take when there's so many in the market and what is just a marketing scheme and what will actually work? So I know that last episode we talked about what to take post-antibiotics. So this is slightly different to that in a sense that we're not talking about just post-antibiotics. We're talking about more across the board of improving gut health and different strategies they can use probiotics for. So For today's podcast, I have put together some probiotic-rich food recipes to help you kickstart your gut healing journey without spending hundreds on supplements because, let's be honest, it adds up pretty fast. To get your hands on this number, head to my website, go to episode 28 and hit download on this freebie. It's all yours. So diversity in the microbiome makes you healthy. Full stop. I feel like that could just be the sentence of my whole podcast and we could finish it there. But honestly, it does. It makes you live longer. It uh, reduces the risk for diseases. And the goal overall is always to have that diversity in the microbiome. So it was presumed, and I believe this at the start of my gut healing journey as well, that you could just increase the diversity of your microbiome by taking a probiotic with a lot of strains in it. But this is not true. Or possibly you could change up your probiotic regularly and increase that diversity because lots of probiotics, if you read the back, they do have a lot of different strains on them. So a probiotic usually might have, you know, five to ten strains in it. If you're getting a higher one, it might have 20 strains in it. But even if all those strains survived through the gastric system and the small intestine and got to the large intestine, then those 20 strains that are added to the microbiome, which has over, listen to this, so your microbiome has over 1,500 strains, what impact is 20 strains going to do on your actual microbiome diversity? All right, so you're comparing the size of that and you're going, okay, well, you know, if there is 50 billion CFUs in a probiotic, how is that going to impact, you know, like 100 billion in the gut? Like it just seems like nothing compared to the size and scope of the microbiome. So there's no way to make a diversity change with more strains at a high dosage, okay? So Let's use some practical examples. So C. diff is a nasty bacteria that can take over the microbiome and it can cause a lot of loose stools and diarrhea, so often known as IBSD. It is always there, but when your microbiome gets damaged and diversity shrinks, it can actually take over and cause that disease. It is often seen in hospitals as well. Now, they did research into this. They're giving people massive strains like 300 billion. It still doesn't change the microbiome. A lot of these probiotics were getting killed off in the gastric so area, so by your stomach acid. Rather, what they were finding, what made the biggest change in diversity of microbiome, rather than being probiotics, was actually those fecal matter transplants. 
So fecal matter has trillions of bacteria. They send it up your butt. I know it sounds gross, but you avoid all that acid wash. You avoid the small intestine. And this way, you can just reach straight into the microbiome, that lower part of the colon, and change it, okay? Put in all those good bacteria where someone who's severely sick is missing a lot of them. There is also a lot of research coming out about the influence of spore-based probiotics, which is something that I'm looking into and transitioning to with my clients where I can. So that may be more helpful. And we see them, they're explained kind of as gardeners. They go in there and they start to remove the bad bacteria. They also have a high prevalence of actually making it to the colon where we want it to get to rather than getting destroyed by the stomach acid that a lot of your probiotics do. The other way long-term is to use prebiotics, okay? It's like I talked about last episode, to actually feed those good gut flora because we're not worried about that getting damaged and we're not then trying to just put a certain strain of probiotic into your gut and hope it stays there and sits there. Now, prebiotics do not heal leaky gut on their own, but they are used as part of a holistic treatment plan. If you don't have gut issues and you want to increase that diversity or you want to pick a good probiotic source, what do you do and how do you increase that diversity in your gut lining if you don't want to spend all that money and you're not sure if your probiotic is the right one? Well, let me tell you this. My favorite doctor, Dr. Will Birchless, recommends a mostly plant-based diet. Now, You don't need to go fully vegan or fully vegetarian. Up to 80% is enough. You just want to get as much food diversity as you can, aka don't eat the same veggies every day into your diet to increase that diversity. Why? Well, each single plant fiber, each single plant contains fiber that's going to feed the microbiome. So they're going to feed different populations of bacteria. So like I said, if we want to support as much diversity as we can in your microbiome, then we really need a diverse diet. Now, I know this can come as a surprise, especially with regards to certain foods broadly considered unhealthy or not optimal for maintaining good gut health. You know, for example, something like a potato, which can be seen as bad because it's high in starch, but this isn't always the case. And legumes or lentils, foods that are high in lectins, foods that are harder to digest, we're going, oh no, don't eat so many plant foods because they're going to damage to your gut. But if they're prepared in the right way, they can be super, super beneficial. For example, white potatoes. (laughs) I know people go back and forth on them, but if you're cooking them and uh, cooling them and reheating them, you're actually changing the resistant starch in it, which is amazing for the gut microbiome, okay? The more you do that, the more you crank out this resistant starch, which gets through to that good gut flora and they can actually feed it. Now, there are many types of different dietary fiber, so many that we don't even know the number, okay? But we can break them down into soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. So insoluble fiber is the one that most of us think of when we think of fiber. So it passes untouched through our digestive system and provides what you'd probably call as roughage. So that's your insoluble fiber. Your soluble fiber, on the other hand, is broken down in our large intestine 
and it is so beneficial because it can be food for your good bacteria okay this means it feeds the microbes in your gut why do we want to feed them because we want them to grow okay this promotes a good gut health this allows those microbes to produce short chain fatty acids which reduce your risk of disease so we've done a full circle remember at the start i said diversity is key and reduces that disease in your gut yes this is what it is so yes you can go in circles looking for a good probiotic yes there are some that are beneficial in a treatment plan and that i use with my clients but if you're not trying to treat a parasite or a bacteria start with food food is key okay add more plant diversity into your diet like i said up to 80 percent change those different fruits and veggies you eat each week some other great ways to increase fiber in your diet cooked and cooled starches like i just said so cook them cool them reheat them change up that fiber okay add veggies into your mince dishes into your baked dishes maybe grate them or mash them or even puree them and get them through okay add you can add par cooked and cooled frozen zucchini or cauliflower to smoothies and a big one <laughs> make your snacks count i love making my little mug cakes where i mash a bit of roasted pumpkin or sweet potato with maybe a bit of banana some carob or cacao powder and then whatever gluten-free uh flour i have on hand so it might be a bit of tiger nut it might be a bit of almond meal um, it might be a little bit of buckwheat mix that through uh, add a little bit of coconut milk or cream a little bit of baking soda chuck it in the microwave for like uh, a minute or so and bam i've got a veggie rich little mug cake on my hands all right you can also use fruits in baking fruits as snacks so aim for that diversity so you want to aim for 40 to 50 different types of fibers in your diet each week and i know that sounds like a lot but once you start counting your herbs your spices your grains your fruits your veggies your legumes you're going to hit that super super fast so i hope that was helpful you want to focus in on those probiotic rich foods which is why i've made that free handout for you you can download that and use that to get some more diversity into your diet so this was nutrition hacks to increase that diversity on the empowered hormone podcast i hope that was helpful please leave a review or hit subscribe and please reach out if you've got any questions because as always i love hearing from you Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking.